the Jaguar 6. Wheeler had been hit many times during her training at the academy. In the face, in the stomach, in the kidneys. One of her dipshit instructors dislocated her jaw once. She didn't like it. Nobody does. Getting hit hurt, but never before had getting hit felt the way it did when she came around in the alley. She gasped awake, awash in pain. It seemed to imbue her entire body, soak into her frame. Her skull felt like someone had pierced it with an awl. Her ribs felt like each one had been cracked in half, and her knees felt like they were on the wrong side of her legs. She rolled over on her side and threw up. After a while, she felt slightly better. Good enough to test her limbs. Feet, check. Hands, check. The fact that she could think clearly was promising. Where was Pena? Oh no, Pena. The attack. She sat up and regretted it. A little girl was standing in the alley next to her. Blonde hair, blue eyes, flawless white skin. Dirt streaked down her face. She was wearing a sleeveless white sundress with yellow daffodils in the print. It was smeared with red and green blobs and, judging by the thick lip of mud curling up from under her formerly white pumps, she had been spending a lot of time playing in the gutter. Or a cow pasture. Her shoulder had been branded with a triple spiral. Wheeler groaned. Now she was seeing things. Great. Oh, Bella, is it her? Another little girl suddenly appeared wearing exactly the same thing, only she wasn't wearing shoes. Her feet were so dirty that they were nearly black. I don't know, Ella. Is she pretty? Don't you like her? Oh, Bella, I like her a lot. I do, I do. Did you find her yourself? She fell out of that window up there. My goodness, that's a long way up. Why did she do that? I think she might have been thrown out. Ella tisked. Who would throw such a pretty woman out a window? I don't know. What should we do? Daddy told us to find her and give her the key. Did you hear him cussing the crone last night? Oh my goodness, his language was foul. He called her a bloody cunt and told her to get out of his head. The girl squealed with laughter, ending by chanting, Bloody cunt, bloody cunt, the crone's in a rut, over and over. Finally, Bella said, But is it really her? Check her shoulder. Ella stepped around and reached for Wheeler's arm, and Wheeler batted her hand away. Ella's hand flew to her mouth. Oh, Bella, she's so tough. I love her ever so much. Daddy would too, don't you think? I feel sorry for Daddy. He's so lonely. But he has us, Ella. And Logan and Lucas and Byron and Brian and Hayden. And Aiden. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I'd nearly forgotten about him. Daddy certainly is angry with Aiden. Wouldn't you be? He hurt Coraline bad. She's not normal anymore. No, no, no. Coraline always was not normal. Not like this, though. Did you see what she did to that poor rabbit? Bella put her hand over her mouth, giggling. It's not funny, Bella. It's not. It's not. Oh, Ella, do let's stop. Wheeler, who had been following the whole exchange with mounting irritation, said, Yes, let's do. Strange how everything hurt, but nothing seemed broken. Her head screamed when she got to her feet, and her legs were stiff, and there was a knot in her back where she'd landed, but everything worked the way it should. And her foot, her broken toes, they didn't seem to hurt at all anymore. In fact... She took a single lame step forward, then another. Then she stopped and patted her pocket. Her phone was there, but when she pulled it out, the screen was cracked in a million pieces. She pushed the button a few times, but it didn't turn on. She turned around. Where did you get that? She asked, looking at the brand on Bella's shoulder. What, my arm? I was born with it. The brand, on your arm. The girl ran her fingers over it. 
It's my cabal, silly. A cabal. Sounded right. You have one, too, Bella said. How do you know that? Daddy said you would. He told us you'd be here. She adopted the gruff tone of what Wheeler could only assume was the girl's father. Go find that daft bank and get her the key. He said you'd be in an alley next to a bar, and you are. Can we see it? Wheeler paused, then thought, why not? She pulled her sleeve up and showed the triple spiral. Oh, Ella, it's so bright and fiery. Do you see it? Do you see? I do, Bella. I do. I do. She's the one. She has to be. Who are you? Wheeler asked, tugging her sleeve down. The girls giggled, covering their mouths with their hands. Bella? Ella? Those are your names? I'm Bella, and she's Ella. What's your name? I'm Wheeler. Detective Wheeler. Oh, Ella, she is a police, just like Daddy said. I bet she's killed a man before. Oh, yes, Bella. Oh, yes. Have you? Have you killed a man, Detective Wheeler? Wheeler couldn't help the smile from creeping up on her. Such odd little creatures. What are you doing here? She asked. I just told you. Daddy said, how long was I out? We don't know. We only just got here. Daddy said, go find Aiden at the whorehouse first. But Aiden wasn't at the whorehouse. Whorehouse? Where's your mother? Ha! Mother? We haven't seen her in decades. Decades. Oh, yes, Ella chimed in. Not since Daddy had her executed. She was doing a thing with another man. Poor Nathaniel. I liked him oh so much. He wasn't very nice to Mommy. Yes, he was. He loved her. He told me. But he was always making her scream so loud. Wheeler frowned at them. She couldn't tell if they were being honest or just putting her on. She shifted, suddenly aware of an itching deep in her body, like she needed to scratch her bones. She tested her bad leg again. It no longer hurt. She could put all of her weight on it. She brushed a lock of hair out of her eyes. Is your dad nearby? Not too far. Will you take us to him? We're lost. Ever so lost. Uh-huh. Wheeler glanced up at the broken window. Two stories up. She was lucky. Luckier than Pena. What was that thing? They'd emptied their clips into it and... Shit. She loped around the alley looking for her gun. And that contraption, the barrel arm biceps, where... What's she looking for, Bella? I think she's looking for this. Wheeler turned and looked and Bella was holding her gun, pinching it by the barrel. Bella, Ella, whichever one you are, hand that over to me. The girls retreated, giggling. Girls, you need to give that to me. I'm a detective, Ella squealed. I don't have time for this. Nothing. Hand it over. They smiled at her. Now. Oh, Ella, she's pretty and smart and brave. Daddy really will like her. God damn it. The girl's mouths dropped open. Wheeler took another step forward. They took another step back. Girls, give me the fucking gun. Their eyes widened. And then, instead of running or freezing or doing anything else that might have been age appropriate, they laughed. <laughs> she said fuck. She said fuck. Fucking fuck. Fuckity fuck. And together, fuckity fuck. She fucked up. And then they grabbed each other's hand, turned, and sprinted out of the alley. Girls, Wheeler yelled. Damn it, she whispered, and started off after them. The first few steps were difficult, but it was easier to run than she thought. The girls teased her along. They would sprint away, giggling the whole time, then stop and stick their tongues out. Once she got within ten yards, they sprinted away again. When they realized she couldn't catch them, they started to skip, holding hands, swinging their arms back and forth, 
Bella held the gun to her side, still pinching it by the barrel, and Wheeler was sure she'd drop it and it would go off. About a block after the chase began, they started to sing. When I was young and just a bad little kid, my mom, I noticed funny things I did, like shooting puppies with a BB gun. I poisoned guppies, and when I was done, I'd find a pussycat and bash its head. Girls, you need to stop right now, they mimicked her. Girls, you need to stop right now. I mean it. I mean it. The silver bullet lorded over them, the construction lights and the scaffold reflecting off its shiny metal shell. Sparks flew like fireflies. Wheeler hadn't realized how close they were to it. With a squeal, the girls let go of each other's hands and ran across the street, ducking into an alley on the other side. Wheeler gritted her teeth and pushed forward. By the time she got there, the girls were already at the end of the alley. Bella was holding up a sewer grate for Ella, who disappeared into the hole. Harry! Harry! Bella cried. The Snyders! The Skeels! Wheeler stopped, too tired to continue on. Her body might have felt fine, but she was out of breath. She leaned against the bricks, linking her fingers over her head. Girls, she said, enough already. Ella popped her head back up. Mommy, please do hurry. They'll tear us apart, they will. Don't call her that, Ella. Why not? She's not our mommy, not yet. But Daddy will love her. She's oh so wonderful. They giggled one last time, and then Ella disappeared back down the hole, followed by her sister. Wheeler sighed and weighed her options. She didn't have to chase them. She didn't have to do anything at all. It would look bad, losing her weapon, but all things considered, she thought it would be easy to explain. It was time to turn around. Turn around right now and go back to that apartment. Peña was there. At least his corpse was. Christ, what was she doing? Then the gun went off, followed by squeals of delight, the sounds magnified by the acoustics of the sewer. A blast of warm air tussled her hair as she clambered down the iron-rung ladder. A voice floated up from below, Come on, Mommy, what are you waiting for? Ella, I told you not to call her. Oh, shut up, Bella. A reptilian rattle echoed through the tunnels. <gasps> it's coming, it's coming. Wheeler heard their footsteps splash away. We left the key for you at the bottom. It's on the torch. Wheeler pressed her forehead on one of the rungs and whispered to herself, fuck. She looked over her shoulder. Only about 10 more feet. She could make it. She rested at the bottom, spent, too spent to worry about the fact that she was sitting in a sewer tunnel in near darkness. Yes, she could see, just a little bit. Once her eyes adjusted, she could make out lichen coating the concrete walls, providing a low green light. The tunnels were huge, large enough for a car to drive through. A small stream of water ran the length of the tube where she was standing, but she could hear the rush of a much larger torrent echoing farther down the way. The tunnel split into two channels to her right, both dark, empty, and foreboding. A torch at the bottom, she said and slapped around the base of the ladder for the flashlight. Her hand hit something soft and squishy, trembled over a shard of something sharp and glassy, before finally knocking something over that clinked on the concrete. The flashlight. She picked it up, impressed at its size and weight. It was tactical. Where the hell did they find a tactical flashlight? Never mind. She didn't want to know. A key hung from a leather strap on the end, if she could really call it a key. It was thick and heavy, shaped like a plus sign with a quadruple-chambered backward C hanging off it. It looked like it had been carved out of bone. She yanked it off the strap with a snap and put it in her pocket. When she pushed the flashlight's on button, a feeble brown light emanated from the bell. Great. Thanks, girls, she called, a wild giggle echoing from the tunnel to the right. She sighed and glanced back up at the open hole above her. Okay, all right. The stream began as a trickle, but as she crept forward, the water grew deeper and deeper until it rose up to her ankles. 
and then her calves, and then she took a step out into nothing and plunged waist-deep. She let out an involuntary yelp. It was colder than the water behind her, sharper. She stood there for a moment, elbows kissing the surface, a grimace frozen on her face. The flashlight flickered and went out, so she smacked it, but instead of flickering back on, a spring-loaded knife popped out of the bottom. She ran her finger along the blade. It was sharp and serrated, about six inches long. The flashlight flickered back to life, a little weaker than before, and the girls called out to her, their voices even fainter. Come on, Mommy, come on! The skeel will be here soon! Skeel, Wheeler said to herself, then louder. What's a skeel? Nothing for a while, then. You'll see! The tunnel curved to the left, and then she faced another fork. She shined her dying light into both holes, but the beam didn't penetrate farther than a few feet. All she could see was blackness and the faint shimmer of water. Which way did you go? She called. The girls' voices were now barely audible. Go straight! I'm at a fork! Which side do I take? The plink of water in the distance, her boxy breath in the tunnel, then very far off. Scales! Run! Shit. Left or right, left or right. Something splashed to the left, followed by that rattle, louder this time. At least she thought it came from the left. It was difficult to tell. Everything echoed, bouncing off the concrete. Crap. Don't freak out, Wheeler. You're a detective. Use your skills. So she did. She guessed. She chose the right side, mainly because she was right-handed. Twenty feet in, the tunnel turned to the right, and the water grew deeper. She waded on, finding comfort in the slight weightlessness. It didn't decrease her fear, though, of the dark, of the water. Then something rubbed against her leg, something long and smooth and heavy. She had no time to think before it grabbed her by the foot and yanked her under the water. It released her just as soon as it pulled her down, and she bobbed back up to the surface, gasping and gagging. It brushed by her again, and she plunged the flashlight into the water, knife pointed down. There wasn't much she could achieve. The water was too deep. But at least if the thing, whatever it was, got too close again, she could stab it, slice it, somehow get it off her. It didn't come back, and without a second thought, she shoved forward as hard as she could, scooping the water with her one free hand. The tunnel grew wider, the water shallower, and up ahead she thought she could see the low, warm glow of a yellow light. She strove for it, plunging ahead, and the tunnel twisted in an S. A hard turn to the left, a hard turn to the right, the yellow growing brighter, the sound of rushing water louder, and the current stronger, until all of a sudden she wasn't in control anymore, and she was carried along faster and faster, and the next thing she knew, she flew out into the air and landed hard on her knees on a concrete surface, skidding forward until she came to a stop against a solid barrier. She stood up, soaking wet, breathing heavily. She'd landed on an island, maybe 100 square feet in diameter, Behind her, the water emptied out of the tube into a dark space somewhere below. Before her, a dam blocked her way, easily five feet high and twice as deep. A variety of weapons lay scattered about its base. Swords and daggers, rusted long knives. There were guns, too. Police-issued Glocks, an AR-15, a couple of 30-06s. Two scepters stuck out of the dirt at the bottom, their crystal heads filled with a luminescent amber light. The base of the dam was made out of dirt flecked with bleached white bone. That gave way to a layer of skeletons, then a layer of skulls, then rotting flesh. On top rested the body of a young boy, arms splayed, skin ice white, eyes staring out into the void. On his left hand, he wore an old baseball mitt, the kind Wheeler had only seen in museums or old pictures. Even worse than that, worse than the smell, worse than the green film growing on the boy's bare arms, were the toys. Stuffed animals, action figures, baseballs, plastic dolls, Hot Wheels cars, 
slingshots, the kinds of things children carried with them when they went out into the world to play, to grow, to learn, to live. Wheeler ached for something more lethal than a blade sticking out of a flashlight, which was why, rather than backing slowly away and trying to get back into the tunnel that spit her out into this hellish place, she crept toward the funeral mound, hoping that one of the guns was still operational. But the closer she got, the more she realized that the guns were unusable. Almost all of them were covered with rust and mold, or half buried in the base. A bright sword leaned up against the skulls, looking like it had fallen out of the open palm of the corpse of the boy on top. A fleur-de-lis with blood gutters and upturned spikes where the base met the handle. She picked it up and weighed it in her hand. The leather grip was warm but comforting, and the sword's balance was impressive. Something splashed behind her, and she whipped her head around, listening intently. The sound of the water falling out of the other tunnel masked everything. Maybe that's all she'd heard. She waited longer than she needed to, spooked by the memory of whatever had brushed against her before, the thing that had pulled her under the water, testing her. She didn't want to turn her attention back to the dam until she was sure it wasn't coming back. But that would never be the case, not down here. And every second she stalled was another second she gave whatever it was to slink closer. Then she heard another splash, and she turned for the dam. She had to get out of there. In a moment of sheer desperation, she pulled on the leg of the dead boy, and it shifted, and rolled and tumbled down the front, revealing a shining magnum in perfect condition. Then the pile shifted again, and a black form scrabbled to the top, revealing a massive eel with a scorpion's tail and eight spider's legs. It scrambled over the weapon and raised a stinger nearly the size of her fist, dripping with venom. Skeels. Scorpions mixed with eels. Now she got it. She took a step back, raising the fleur de lis with both hands. Try it, she muttered. Two more skeels scrambled up next to the first one, smaller but just as lethal looking. They followed her with her beady black eyes. Okay, okay. She adjusted her grip on the sword. They scrabbled down, dirt and bones sifting to the concrete, and Wheeler crouched, readying herself to strike, wondering how much damage she could do before one of them stuck her. They came for her, and she swung, missing by at least a foot. The beasts paused, though, rearing up, their legs waving in the air. She tightened her grip and steeled herself for another strike. But then they turned and retreated back up the corpse dam, one by one, creeping over the dead boy until she was left alone again. Wheeler smirked and relaxed, letting the sword hang by her side. That's right, she said. You better run. A rattle sounded from behind her, echoing in the tunnel, bouncing off the concrete walls. She slowly turned around, but didn't see anything. Shadows at first, hiding in the crooks where the amber glow couldn't reach. Beyond that, the even darkness of the tunnel. Then, inked into that blackness, darker than dark, blacker than black, the outline of a terrible thing appeared. It was long and coiled, with a cobra's hood and an eerie green glint in its eyes. It filled the opening of the tube. It uncoiled and spit at her, and she dodged the glob. It struck the boy's corpse and hissed and melted through the body with an evil chemical cloud. Wheeler swung the fleur de lis, slicing into the scaly skin just under the monster's head, sinking deep into the meat. The beast squealed and writhed, backing out of the tunnel, shocked and panicked. She saw her chance. She turned and ran for the dam, lunging for the magnum still sitting on top. Its metal grip felt oddly warm and heavy in her palm, and when she tried to pick it up, it stuck to the flesh of the dead thing beneath it. Just as she was trying to pry it free, a black flash, faster than fast, struck out from the other side, and her hand exploded in pain. She fell back, dropping her weapons and landing hard against the wall. Her hand was already swelling in her forearm and bicep. It made her sick. It was too fast, too much. The skeels scrabbled back atop the dam, their stingers poised and ready. Another surge of pain flooded through her, and her body seized, arms flying open, back arching. 
She didn't have time to think before the blackness began to take over. She seized again, gasping for breath as the poison strangled her lungs, and her left hand smashed the glass motif on top of one of the scepters sticking out of the bottom of the dam. The amber liquid leaped onto her outstretched arm and flooded over her, coating the wound, draining into it. It burned worse than the poison at first, the amber filling her up, filtering into her pores, fusing with her tissue, her veins, her tendons, her bones, and inside of her, stemming from her hand and flying up her arm and into her chest, a warm energy that burned away the poison and overtook her chest, coursing down into her belly and bowels. A final shock seized her muscles, and she felt it pulse out, radiating brighter and brighter, glowing white hot. She became less and less, disintegrating into the heat. She wanted to scream but had no voice in the rush of the energy, and then she was nothing, just an idea, a bodiless soul, floating in shapeless white energy. Forms appeared the outlines of buildings, a street in the middle of a city, skeletal shapes hanging from crucifixes. And she was one of those shapes, her arms spread wide, her hands nailed to the ends, the wrists bound to the wood by rope. There was something in her hand, a strange white key. Her clothes were bleached white, torn and burned and tattered. Her body was hers and not hers. Two men appeared before her, wearing cream-colored suits and fedoras and two-toned shoes. They were speaking but she couldn't hear them, their mouths moving soundlessly. She managed to catch the edge of a word. Got a match? She started to laugh. She didn't know why. She didn't know what was real anymore. She didn't know who she was, her name, her past. It all swirled around her, just out of reach. Faces and places swam before her eyes, but she didn't know who or what they were or what they meant. They were important. They had to be. But she couldn't figure it out. She rubbed the key between her fingers. A comedy routine, of all things, bubbled into her mind. Two men, one fat, one skinny. Look, you gotta have a first baseman, right? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who's got the money? Every dollar of it. All I'm trying to find out is a fella's name on first base. Who? The two men standing in front of her were just like the routine. One tall and hulking, the other short and stocky. It made her laugh harder, even harder than before. The fuck you laughing at? The stocky one asked. Yeah, I got a match, she said, smiling with her teeth. My ass in your face. We're running out. We're running out of time. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Don't forget to check out LilithFilm.com, JamesKnoll.net forward slash BG, and... You can support this show for as little as $1 on Patreon.com. It's Patreon.com forward slash Mad Tales. You guys rock. I'll see you next week. Day.